so good to be together. If you're a guest here this morning, one of the things we say at our church, I think it says there, doesn't it? Don't worry, I'm not going to fall. A place of hope. It says a place of hope on that one. And it says, come as you are on another one. And uh, that's who we are. That's what we're about as a church. We're a place of hope where people come and they find hope in Him. But we're a place where we say, come as you are. And we really mean that. And the reason being is because God wouldn't have it any other way. He wants us to come as we are. As we're worshipping this morning, I'm at the front row and um, I'm trying to focus on the songs and really worship him. I've got in the back of my mind the notes of what I have to get up and say. I have in my mind the fact that Chantel is not here. She's in England on, on a course that she's doing. She started a uh, theological training course which is going to be absolutely wonderful for her and for our church uh, but she's not here and uh, I feel sort of a bit out of sorts because I'm on my own I'm used to being together with her oh, come on it wasn't meant to be like that but you know. <laughs> well, we don't get but uh, I'm beside our son Sam who uh, is leaving tomorrow goes to Australia uh, and then to New Zealand for uh, some time. And uh, that's tough, that's tough for a parent to, to say goodbye, you know, uh, in that way. And, and I, as I look across, I'm just proud that he's there, he's with me and he's beside me and we're worshiping the Lord together. That's a really good feeling. And then to make it even harder, I flip, I look across and I see my friend Hugo, who's here and um, he's battling with of a wicked disease and um, and I just want to say that I love you and we love you deeply and your family you are an incredible man and we just are with you 100% come as you are <laughs> oh look let's not pretend <laughs> Let's not pretend. <clears throat> Come as you are. God wouldn't have it any other way. That's, that's, he's with us. He's with us. We said that last night. We worship the Lord. God is with us. Wherever we go, wherever we're at, whatever is going on in our lives, God is with us. And it's wonderful. Okay. Introduction. <laughs> we're back 4th of September first uh, Sunday in September summer Sundays have come and they've gone, we're back uh, church life is follows similar to that of, a, of an academic year really, uh, many of us are back to school, if you're in education you're back to school, uh, those of you who have a normal job you haven't been off at all and you're disgruntled and you hate those who are teachers and all the rest of it. And then those of you who are retired, you're laughing even more because you're just like, <laughs> what have I got to do? But, uh, but, but you're never retired. You're just equipped uh, for what God wants you, wants for the rest of you, for the rest of your time. Those of you who think you're retired and do what you want. <laughs> but church does kind of follow a similar sort of pattern, a similar time of the year. And, uh, and this is us. We, we have uh, 
We're, we're back in this building that the Lord has given to us, or not given to us, but has entrusted to us for these times. Uh, over the past year or so, the Lord has uh, brought new faces to us, which has been wonderful. Uh, it has been disappointing and sad that many have not returned uh, post-pandemic, um, but that's been typical across the board, many, many churches. I uh, want to give a notice, which I was meant to have done already, and, and I've forgotten uh, to do so, is that next Sunday is going to be another special Sunday. We're calling it uh, Be Part of the Team, and that is simply an opportunity to say thank you to many of you that served last year in some role, shape, or form. You, uh, you were on a rotor, or you did something regularly. And we want to appreciate you and say thank you to you. Uh, and we're going to do that next Sunday. But we're going to invite everyone to be part of the team, to be part of the story of what God is doing in us and through us and amongst us in our community. And so we would uh, encourage you to come again next week. And I would encourage you, if you know people who are part of our church community, to come next week because it's a very, very important family week as a body and as a church. So please, please uh, do come. I want to give some time and space to uh, introduce Kate Crosby to you this morning. She's uh, starting work with us. It's just going to be wonderful working with me and with uh, Chantelle and Jules and Tom. And you're just going to get on just fabulously with us. Um, but I want to take just a little bit of time to kind of frame kind of church leadership in the context of what the Bible teaches, uh, and, then, and then to introduce Kate and sort of say a little bit about what she's going to be doing, and then we're going to give some time for her to come and just share a few things, and then I'm going to pray for her and install her. <laughs> I don't know how we do that bit, but no idea, we're going to pray for you, which, which will be wonderful. So I want to take just a, just a few minutes to talk about church leadership, really, and the best way to look at church leadership is to look at Jesus, because he was an absolutely outstanding master at uh, leading. And uh, there's just, just four things I want to mention about the Jesus way of leading. And the first thing is that uh, he was a shepherd. And we read about that through Psalm 23, which was a, a psalm written by David about the Lord, who was to come centuries later. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want such a well, well-known uh, passage of scripture. But Jesus himself said about himself in John, he said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. It speaks of surrender. It speaks of sacrifice. It speaks of a servitude to uh, sheep. Jesus uh, says to a crowd of people when he's with his 12 uh, trainees, his 12 disciples, uh, he says these words in Matthew 9. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. These verses are directed at all of us. At all of us. Pray to the Lord of the hearts. There'll be workers. There'll be workers. Guys, if you are a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are a minister. You are an ordained minister to minister 
to the Lord before the Lord and on behalf of the people. Every one of us are called to the Jesus stuff. Every single one of us. But for some, God calls us to be leaders. Leaders in the church and leaders of churches. And Jesus in this passage is saying, pray that there would be shepherds, good shepherds that would lead the people. Those of you who've been around the church who've heard of horrible kind of terminology that somewhere in Christendom has coined heavy shepherding. Just cast that out of your mind. We're not going down that route at all. If you've never heard that term, don't worry about it. It doesn't really mean much, certainly not here. Shepherding in this way. Let's look at Psalm 23. Jesus invites us, those that need, to help people come to pastures green, to lead you to places of light, of replenishment, away from the hustle and bustle and the craziness of life, to environments and places where you can uh, encounter Jesus, still quiet waters, so that your soul can be refreshed and made new. Shepherds help sheep guide them in the right paths, to take right paths, to make good decisions. It's not our job to tell you what to do, but it's our role sometimes to say, hey, you see that path you're on? You keep going down that road, that ain't gonna go well for you. You really wanna consider going down that path, because if you go down that path, that's gonna lead to life. And that's part and parcel of being a shepherd. Secondly, Jesus equipped the saints. And we as church leaders are called to equip the saints. And that's to train you guys up to do the Jesus stuff. Jesus uh, himself was a carpenter. He knew what it was like to apprentice himself to someone else. I mean, someone had to teach him how to make stuff out of wood. So he himself must have been an apprentice and done apprenticeship. I don't know that he went to tech, but someone must have shown him how to use a hammer and a saw or whatever they had in those days. He knew what it was like to train under someone. And he himself, the rabbi, took 12 and trained them and others. Many other women also along the journey to do the very things that he did because he was entrusting to those people the church that we're a part of today. He says to Peter the Rock, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. I'm going to entrust you with this. But first, you've got to learn from me. And you're going to make mistakes. And you're going to betray me. You're going to pretend you didn't even know me. But I still trust you. I still love you. And you're going to have a go and you're going to fail. You're going to have a go and you're going to succeed. And you're going to get to walk on water with me. He didn't say that bit, but he did have a go at walking on water with Jesus. Jesus trained them up, and part of our role as leaders in the church is to help equip you guys uh, to do the Jesus stuff. In Ephesians 4, Paul writes this, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, become mature, attain to the whole measure 
of the fullness of Christ. Our role is to teach, is to hear God, and to speak words of life, to encourage you, to push you out. Last night, I loved it. Um, we had a worship night here. Some of you, many of you were here. And at the end of the ministry time, I jokingly sort of said, but was very serious and very intentional as well. The ministry prayer team were the teenagers who are here. And we invite the Holy Spirit and we pray and the teenagers came. They just went and they laid hands and prayed for people. It's very deliberate and very intentional. And we all get to do that. You don't just have to be a teenager to be on the prayer team. You can have grey hair. You can have no hair. As long as we're equipped to do the stuff. Want to help you take risks. Want to help you make healthy choices in your marriages, in your families, in your workplace. We want to help you find the jigsaw piece that makes you you within the body of Christ and help you to do the very things that you're called to do. We're going to do that invitation very much and very deliberately next week when we invite you to be part of the team. Thirdly, um, the Jesus way of leading is servant leadership. It's the Jesus way. Uh, consider other kind of aspects of leadership in the world. You might think of your workplace, a business, um, government, whatever it might be. And there's an authority that comes. It's like this powerful, almost overbearing thing of, you will do this because I tell you to do so. And if you don't do so, there will be a consequence. And yes, there are aspects of those things that are right and are needed. But the Jesus way was to lead from a position of lowliness, a position of servitude. And it's demonstrated time and time and time again through the scriptures, but none better than hours before Jesus' death, when he's about to go to the cross at the Last Supper. He takes the bowl and uh, in front of his 12, he says these things. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Um, possibly, perhaps, uh, like those of you who know me, you know that I struggle with the term pastor. Some of you call me Pastor Paul just to wind me up, and I want to knock your pan in, but that's another thing. But it, it, it's something that, uh, rightly or wrongly, I don't know, it just doesn't sort of sit well. And in and some ways, you know, it, perhaps we should be known as um, lead servant or chief servant. That sounds even more grandiose, doesn't it, really? Let's not go with that. But I hope you get the, the, the point I'm meaning. That we're prepared to do anything and everything for the sake of what God's doing. And our role is to serve you and to love you and to lead you in that way. However, the flip side of servant leadership is that it also does come with a position of authority. Jesus led from a position of authority. And so do uh, leaders of churches. At the end of Matthew 28, uh, it's known as the Great Commission. Jesus meets the 11 left 
up a mountain and he says to them, uh, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, I give you that same authority. Go and make disciples. And he entrusts the eleven with authority. Jesus bestows it upon them. And leading a church comes with a degree of authority. Paul writes uh, to Titus uh, in his letter. And a, a very short verse says this. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. And sometimes uh, just comes with a job, I guess, the territory. This is not the fun bit. I'm just going to be really honest with you. But sometimes there, there are times when as leaders, we have to make a tough call. We have to sometimes say no. We have to bring a degree of correction uh, or step in and say enough is enough. And we have to intervene. And that, let me tell you, is never fun. <laughs> it is always always costly but it is part and parcel of leading and being a shepherd and leading in that way there's other aspects of church leadership we could talk about this morning but i want to say that it is an absolute joy and a privilege and an honor to be in this position it is an absolute and, and to lead the church community that we have here you are a wonderful incredible people and it is a joy for us to lead. And it is a joy uh, to welcome Kate to join us in assisting us. I need, I'm taking up too much time, so I need to skip through a few things. Uh, firstly, why, why an assistant pastor? Surely, surely, Paul, you're, you're, you and Shams, you're amazing. Why, why, oh my goodness, you're more than what we could need. Why, why not? We need help. I'll be honest with you. We need help. We really do. There's so much good going on. There's so much opportunity inside the four walls, and there is way more outside the four walls that the Lord is entrusting to us. And we're super excited that Kate would help uh, us in that way. It's going to help us to grow, spiritually speaking. Those of you who know her uh, and know Dave as well, if you've been part of their life groups, you will have been so blessed by just being in their company. They love Jesus deeply and passionately, and they will lead you to pastures green. They will lead you into the presence of Jesus. It's just who they are. It just comes out of them because of the time that they dedicate in their own time before the Lord. And they will help uh, do that. Uh, part of Kate's job description is she's going to lead our life groups, which is wonderful because I've been doing a bad job of it of recent. And she's going to dedicate her time and energy to, to really growing that core area of, of discipleship and of belonging and of family, which is wonderful. I believe that in Kate's appointment, we have the opportunity as a church to grow numerically. The church statisticians, the church people will tell you that you need a pastoral staff member for every hundred within a given church. And if you were to look at our stats from 2010 
you will see that we grew really significantly for the first five years. Literally every year we grew for the first five years. And from then on, we have been pretty much plateaued until the pandemic went, we have declined. And we have declined, like I said, like every other church. And that's just the way it is. But we have, we have been unable to grow numerically because we needed another uh, pastoral role of this kind of capacity in this way. And I, I had this conversation with, a, with a, a really well-known guy. Some of you will know him. You'll have met Steve Nicholson, the guy uh, that has planted 20, 30 churches uh, across the world. He's a church planting legend. And he said to us, and this is no exaggeration, six, seven years ago, he said, you need an assistant. You need an associate. And that was all those years ago. And we've so wanted this. Uh, for such a long time. We think that it will make a big difference. And by the way, the, the, the hundred thing, the hundred to one thing, a couple counts as one. So me and Chance would sort of count as one. Uh, and we're, we're both, we're not full-time, either of us. I'm paid, I'm, I work 25 hours a week, which tell works 30 hours a week. You could pay us more and we could work more hours but I don't think it's going to make the difference that another staff member will. And that's a significant reason why uh, the board of directors have, uh, have appointed Kate for this role. Lastly, and then I'm going to shut up, is that Kate will come with a fresh set of eyes and fresh vision. Uh, we lead just because, in a way, that's what we do. And we do need some, uh, some freshness to what we're doing. And we really believe that Kate will bring some of those things. Come on up. And why don't we welcome her? where I encountered the Vineyard Church for the first time and back in the day it met in the Edgewater Hotel if any of you remember that it was not even flattened and it had the most glorious views of any church I've ever been in to the point where you're like I don't know what you've been saying for the past 20 minutes because I've just been watching the waves come in but um, Dave and I um, I'm married to Dave if you know that Dave he is definitely my better half um, and we've been coming here, uh, we've been married for about nearly four years, and we've been coming here for just over four years. We basically came because we wanted Paul to marry us, and then we can't get it, yeah. couldn't get away. So, um, so hard lines, Kate and Nathan, you'll never get away. Um, so I've had a lot of different jobs in my life, from library assistant to um, youth worker, to education manager working with trainee doctors, to cupcake maker, 
So I will definitely bring the beefs um, to this role. Um, but I think that this is the most exciting and scary um, and best fitting role for me um, in this season. And um, when I told my old work colleague Stephen, who gave me a question about that I was applying for this job, he just said, that is even more like you than your current job that you're in, um, which I just loved. And since becoming a Christian at 14, um, I have really loved the church, not as an institution or organization, but as a diverse family um, who have been invited by God to play their part in revealing his hope and love to this world. Um, I've always felt really hopeful um, about the church, that there's more for the church, and that no matter how infuriating or sad or angry that it makes us, um, God isn't finished with the church yet, and he is still choosing to use it in the world. Um, I'm really delighted to have my parents all the way from Castle Rock here today. Um, they um, are incredibly supportive parents, um, even when I decide to do crazy things like going backpacking around the Middle East by myself. <laughs> and um, they also offer very deep, profound wisdom in life. Like, for example, on the 21st of December, the longest day of the year, you can bet your house on my dad saying, well, that's the night's only turn. <laughs> every year, every single year. And we don't notice the nights getting shorter, or longer, sorry, on the 21st of December. Um, but little by little, day by day, the sun is rising earlier and setting later. And by the time you get to April, you find you're using the lights less and saying things like, there's a choir stretching the nights. <laughs> but, um, and a new season is on its way, but sometimes it can take a time to realize it. You know, as the pandemic hit, instead of talking about leaving the NHS, I started to seriously think about it and what I would do next and putting in a bit of effort to actually um, thinking about next steps and working them out. And I found a job with the Trussell Trust, the food bank charity, and settled into it for a while thinking, this is the new season for me. Um, but it wasn't the new season just yet. And I really can't get away from the word season at the minute. It's probably because we're now in autumn um, and because I'm starting a new job and it just feels like a new season out there. Um, and in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 it says, There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. We're all experiencing different times and seasons at the moment. Some of us are laughing while some of us are weeping, some of us are tearing down while others are building up, some of us are searching while others are giving up. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. And I recognize that for some people here, you're going through a real difficult time and season and you're finding it hard to get going. But I just want to say to you, in the words of the 60s band, the birds, if any of you remember that, using Ecclesiastes 3, that season will turn. It will turn, turn, turn. There are lighter days ahead. And hopefully at the end, if that resonates with you, we'll get an opportunity to stand with you and pray for you. And so I believe that being assistant pastor here is where God is placing me in this time and season. 
So what time and season are you in? Where is God placing you? And what is he asking you to do in this season? So Paul has already mentioned a bit about what I'm going to be doing in this season, assisting Paul and Chantelle um, as they lead the church for starters. These guys have worked so hard, particularly over the past two years, and have given so much. And I am delighted to, to join them and see how God wants to take us forward. Um, Paul's already read from Ephesians 4, um, so Christ gave himself the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, and the evangelists and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. In this season, I will be involved in equipping you, uh, his people, for the works of service he has for you. And that looks like life groups, compassion, teaching on Sundays, hard lines, bring your comfy seats, and um, helping us continue to join Jesus in serving and loving the community in Carrickfergus. I would particularly love, this is a big prayer request, to work with other churches around compassion and serving our community, so you can pray for that one. It looks like inviting, supporting, and championing you and taking your place in the season you're in right now, and um, so that the body of Christ may be built up. And I think we can agree that there is some building up to do, still to do in the church. The pandemic has run roughshod throughout our society. Things are not the same as they were, and the church has not been exempt from that, as Paul has already said. There's been a reshuffle. There's been some people that have come. There are some people that have gone, and there's just some people that are no longer um, following Jesus at all. And for those of us who are left, um, you know, we might be feeling a bit tired, just wondering what's next, and whether we're going to have the, the energy and the drive to keep going. But God makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Ephesians 4, 16. God continues to build the church so that it's healthy and growing and full of love. As we play our part, as we do the work that he has for us, you know, each one of us, has something to contribute. Nobody is irrelevant, everybody is needed. And we can easily rule ourselves out. We can make excuses, and I did this too. When I saw the job come up, I was like, I'm too old, I'm not hipster enough, I'm not cool enough, even though I do like a good hipster coffee, um, but I definitely know I'm not a hipster. But we do that, we rule ourselves out for why we can't um, do the things that God is putting in front of us. And I believe that he's bringing us into a new season in which it's okay to enter um, confused, unsure, tired, or a bit done because he wants us to rely on his spirit. It's not by our might, nor by our power, but by his spirit. I had this picture of a rowing boat that is being tossed about by the waves um, and storms, and it wasn't really getting anywhere. And then an engine, put on it and it didn't change the waves but it gives gives the boat the power to better cut through the waves that are um, going on around it. Trusting in God's power will not diminish or remove the challenges around us 
but will mean that we will be tossed about less and we will be better able to move through them? Are we open to being led by the Spirit in this season more than we have maybe allowed in the past? And I also believe that this is a season to get ready for mission. On my first day of my last job at Castle, all new staff members are interviewed by the CEO um, on why they want to work for the charity in front of everyone in the organisation on a weekly staff Zoom meeting, a Zoom meeting, not at all intimidating for the first day of your new job. And this is the same meeting that I would a year later somehow managed to take control of during the director's presentation, pop up on the screen, close his presentation, and then like panic for 20 seconds while I work out, what have I managed to do? And then I just disappeared. You do the thing of like, I'll just leave. Um, so you can tell that this is like, this, this meeting stressed me out. But all you staff who were interviewed during this, um, this meeting talked about how it was the mission of the charity that drew them to work for the organisation. In every season of our lives, Jesus continues to invite us in on his mission. Matthew 4, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus is inviting us in this season to come as we are and to be with him, to follow him and his way, perhaps leaving behind what is not going to serve us going forward, to be made into something new for a purpose bigger than ourselves. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men, because there are people drowning out there, you know, that we, that we need to go to. I see people who have given up and are barely surviving, not letting life sink through. I see people who are fearful and anxious. I see people tired from the treadmill of accumulating more and more stuff in the hope that that will make them happy. I see people who are risking actual drowning in order to find a safe life for them and their families. And we've just seen in Pakistan that there are floods going on in which people are drowning. Who do you see that's drowning out there? Who needs someone to fish them out and to bring them to a place that's healthy and growing and full of life? I know that this is sort of meant to be my kind of commissioning today or installation or canonization as David's been calling it. <laughs> but Betty informed me on the way and you have to be dead for 100 years before you can be canonized. Um, but I want you to invite you to join me in this season of following Jesus and being transformed by him in order to fish for people who are drowning and who need a place full of love. This is an impossible task for one person, not something we can do alone. We need to do it together.
those who don't know her <laughs> should have come and prayed. Right, well, get your hands on her. Okay, if you're uh, new to this, you've never seen anything like this before, all we're simply doing, this is just family. And uh, we invite you, Almighty God, through the person of the Holy Spirit, to be upon Kate now. We ask that you fill her with your presence, with your spirit, empower her, give her what she needs. thinking of those words, apart from me you can do nothing, but my heart is excited because with me it is immeasurable, it is beyond your imagination of possibilities. Lord Jesus, I just thank you that you are the God who gives life, anoints life, enables life, equips life. God, everything we do comes from you, exists through you, and is possible because of you. Lord, I just come and I just crown King Jesus over Kate's appointment, over what she does now. Lord, I thank you that without you we can do nothing, but with you, wow, we can't really fathom what you have for us for Kate in this place. I thank you, God, for your appointing, and I thank you, God, that you are the only right and enable. Amen. You're well liked. <laughs> we stand with you. We stand behind you. We have your back. give you permission to poke at us, to push us. We are excited to see what God has for you. And we are excited to see what you bring from them. We are on your team, we are on your side. We wish the best for you. I've had the privilege of praying for Kate so many times on this journey. And God just as you where he wants you. And he's given you faith that you will walk these streets and serve this town. And you will do it with your eyes open. And on this journey, as Brian has said, you know, we're all with you. We don't go afraid, we don't go alone, we go with the spirit, being in the spirit of Jesus. Thank you. 
much for them. And I just pray this morning that God would deliver you, Jim, and that each one of us would take your word and come and stand beside you and help you in your life. So, Lord, we do appoint and commission Candice to this task. 